0: are you a collector trying to find that one item that you just can't possibly seem to put your hands on or trying to go back to your childhood and relive it all over again check this out may 20th at the idaho falls recreational center idaho falls retro x is coming that's may 20th of this year over 30 booths featuring vendors vendors items will include 80s and 90s toys pop culture memorabilia, vintage and modern video games and systems, Funko Pops and comics. They will be graced by a vendor who has some of the rarest and most valuable comic books on the market. All ages cosplay contest, door prizes through the day, and a Nintendo Switch giveaway. They are discounting admission for canned food donations that will be delivered to the Idaho Falls Community Food Basket. Tickets available through the website at www.ifretrox.com. That's www.ifretrox.com. We hope to see you there.
1: There is something that's called La Fofolle. Supposedly, these are children that died through some horrific accident to where they're demon-like children. And they appear in the shape of lights that try to get you to follow them so you'll be lost forever in the swamps.
0: Yeah, when you hear like scraping claws underneath the bed
1: and it moves and uh, you can... I was so terrified, dude. I pulled the blanket over my head. I could hear whatever it was breathing outside the sheet.
0: Was a little gaffer there we got into a car accident hit a moose my mom ended up under the steering wheel of the car and she had a big hand shaped bruise on her shoulder it was like somebody pushed her underneath the steering wheel my mom should have gotten decapitated the weird part was we hit a moose and we had a moose hanging on the rear view mirror
2: the only other thing that i could think of would be a bear but there's no bears in that area either It's just not the right habitat for them. And when you see that bear, a bear is going to move. It's going to take off for the most part. And this thing just happened and did nothing.
0: This material world that you're told is bound by science and everything else. Obviously, obviously
2: science and physics are very important. There is so much more
0: out there that is left to study, that is left to learn about. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Investigation Cryptopairology. Sit back, get relaxed, and crack open your favorite cold beverage as we dive deep into the abyss of what we were told couldn't possibly exist. Hello and welcome to Investigation Cryptopairology. Tonight, we are going to be speaking with historian and history teacher from Louisiana, Troy Polke, about the lore behind
1: werewolves. Troy? Yeah, there's a lot of different mythos and lore behind werewolves, shapeshifters, skinwalkers, whatever each culture wants to call it. And uh, on this podcast, we're going to be actually focusing on one version which started off in France, and this was around in the seventeen hundreds, mid to late seventeen hundreds, and it's actually called La Bete de Jovedin or the beast of Gervadan. Cause that's what bet means. So if anybody ever calls you a beta or a bet, they're calling you a beast. So to speak. It's not really a Compliment is more of an insult, but um, this refers to an incident that occurred along the countrysides in France in the province of Gervadon when it existed. Today, it would be the modern-day department of Logère, and it's also part of Haute-Loire, Avon, South Dordogne. And those different areas of France, the, the Magérie Mountains in central France and, and different things like that. Now, some of you are going to say, well, you mispronounced all those French names. Well, I'm pronouncing it the way that Cajun French people actually pronounced it. And there's different dialects of French. So that's a whole other story for another day. And uh, in the 18th century, there was actually an engraving of this beast. And they were said to be super large and look like a striped hyena crossed with a wolf, like a wolf dog hybrid of some such, but it was larger than normal, way larger than normal. Most of the victims were killed by having their throats cut out. When 610 or more attacks occurred that resulted in 500 deaths, 49 injuries, 98 of the victims killed were partially eaten, that's when the King of France decided to send out the Royal Guard and his military to try to take action on eliminating this threat okay this beast was generally described wolf-like canine tall lean frame capable of taking great strides and when i said guys that that this was a large creature according to what people said what they reported at that time in the actual descriptions in diaries and in law reports from that time period, primary sources, so to speak, they reported these wolf-like creatures as being the size of a calf or a cow, or in some cases, even as big as a horse. They had an elongated head that's similar to the breed of dog that's called a greyhound. And you might have seen pictures of a Greyhound on the Greyhound bus. And if you don't know what a Greyhound actually looks like, you can actually look that up online. Uh, The snout was sort of flat, the ears pointed, wide mouth, broad chest. Longer tail than a normal wolf's. Had a tuft at the end of the tail. Usually it was darkish in color between a tawny a russet, black, streaked with black. And it had a white heart-shaped pattern on its underbelly. This all started in the September of around 1764, according to a young woman's diary. And in this diary... It was reported that a young woman named Marie-Jean Vallet was tending her cattle. And that was in Mercoir, near the town of Lagnon, eastern part of Gervadin. She reported that she saw a beast like a wolf, but not a wolf actually come at her the bulls in the herd that she was tending charged and kept the beast at bay and then drove it off after it attacked a second time. So she was the first official victim of this beast. She was 14. Okay. Now another one, and this one was not able to survive it, was another 14-year-old whose name was Jeanne Boulet, And she was killed near the village of Lehubach. And that, again, was in the province of Lagnon. More attacks get reported across the region. By late September 1764, a lot of rumors began circulating that it was more than one animal, might be a pair of animals, because of the high number of attacks and killings that were starting to get reported. 1765 in January, Jacques Porafe and seven of his friends got attacked in around the same area. They drove it away by grouping together. All these encounters caught the attention of King Louis XV, who awarded 300 livres to Portofino and another 300 livres to be shared among his companions. That would be like winning the lottery today. So he rewarded Portafe with an education at the state's expense, and then he decreed that the French state would help and find and kill this beast. Now, Will, you and I know what happens when stuff like this get report, gets reported. Whenever somebody's starting to report something that's very fearful, one report, okay, not not so much. Two, well, what's going on? Three, okay, now we're getting concerned. When you get 50 reports of a catastrophic event or a murder happening, widespread fear happens and mob mentality takes over, and people start kind of exaggerating the truth on things when fear takes over. So... Were they exaggerating the size of these beasts because of it, or were they really reporting what they think they saw, or was this beast really this big? I wasn't there, so I can't say. All of this is just recorded, and they even have engravings that were done based on people's descriptions, and some of these engravings show this thing on all fours with its head standing almost as high as a human's. Uh, First Captain Duhamel of the Clermont Prince Dragoons and his troops, they were sent to Le Gervadin in order to exterminate these things. He, de- he declared that his guards were just incompetent because the killings kept on happening. There was another village of Les Malgeurs that this beast got into and started killing people. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Louis XV agreed to send in two professional wolf hunters. Jean-Charles Marc-Antoine Varme, D'Anville and his son Jean-Francois, Captain Duhamel, was forced to stand down and to return to his headquarters in Clermont-Ferrand. And cooperating with the Envil was impossible because they differed as far as the strategies of hunting this thing or these things, since it was obviously more than one at this point. To show how serious this was, they even brought in bloodhounds that were trained in wolf hunting. Four months they hunted wolves, believing that more than one of these animals was the beast that was beasts that were responsible for these attacks. so they're killing the wolves yet the attacks continue so. More hunters arrive, and Tuan on September twentieth of seventeen sixty five killed a large gray wolf measuring, now get this, eighty centimeters, thirty one inches high, one point seven meters or five foot seven inches long. 60 kilograms that's 130 pounds the wolf which was named le lude de chaze after the nearby abbey of de chaze was said to have been quite large for a wolf and antoine said this we declare by the present report signed from our hand we never saw a big wolf that can be compared to this one we believe this could be the fearsome beast that caused so much damage. This animal was further identified as a culprit by attack survivors who recognized the scars on its bloody, inflicting victims defending themselves. The wolf was stuffed and sent to Versailles. Okay, now, killing that one large wolf didn't stop the killings, the killings kept going. This made people start thinking, okay, this is beyond normal. And they started saying that these wolves were supernatural. Some even started saying that the wolf, in some cases, got up onto two legs, stood like a man, and ran off. When you got 300 and more people saying this kind of stuff, These legends and lores take on a life pretty much of their own. So the thing is, is that movies get their lore from somewhere. If you look at the Twilight series, which was a book first, then the movies, which the books have a whole lot more detail than the movies do. The writer of the books, and I forget what her name is at this point, but she had to have studied the lore behind vampires and werewolves before she could have written it, as far as how these things were transformed. And the lore that they got in order to create the werewolf, like what you see in the Twilight books, was from... The lore, like in the Beast of Gervadan, giant wolves that were meant that were attacking villages. But in Twilight's case, the wolves came from Native American skinwalkers who were protecting their tribes. So this is where the lore started at in France, and there's lore like this in almost every culture. Now, when you think that these different cultures came to the americans they brought that lore with them when the native americans crossed the giant land bridge with all the different lore and stuff that they had as they spread across the north american continent they brought all of that with them and these lores grew and then hence you have the totems that each tribe had that were associated with different animals Animal spirits, so to speak. So this is where we get skinwalkers, shapeshifters, things of that nature. In Louisiana, my grandma used to call it the Half man, half wolf that was cursed. And if he caught you and bit you, he transferred the curse to you. And you had to carry it with you. And then at night you would transform and go try to find somebody else. She said, that's why you don't go out in the woods at night. (laughs) You don't want the Rugaru to get you. Yeah, yeah, that don't give little kids nightmares at all. No. (laughs) So with the Native Americans, they have a strong tie to nature and the land, and they believe that these animal spirits help protect their various tribes. So for the Native Americans, they see it in a good light in a lot of the lore. Other cultures, not so much. They see it as a supernatural being, or it's got to come from the devil, it's evil, so forth and so on. I live long enough to know that there are things out there in this world that modern science cannot yet explain. Is that simple, or they can explain it and they're told no, shh, public can't handle it, and it's hidden away for now. Either way, right? And I've seen that happen with a lot of knowledge, especially with the Vatican and the different world governments. And as far as governments, I'll give you one example uh, that that a lot of people in the United States are familiar with with the Kennedy assassination certain documents about the kennedy assassination did not get released until the later half of the 90s his assassination happened in the 60s why you no know, so there's a lot of knowledge that, that that's kept from us and now we live in the age of Information technology and also misinformation. You have to be so careful with what you're looking up and trying to find as far as what's a reliable source, what's not, what's real, what's not, what's true, what's not. It goes back to that eternal question that Pilate asked Jesus in the Bible what is truth? That's each person's perception on that as far as what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. What I'm saying is, this is where the lore from France comes from. English lore has a completely different version. Native American lore has a completely different version. Dutch lore has a completely different version of each of these things that occur. The one thing in Mm -hmm. common is that every culture has some kind of lore on humans transforming into wolves. For every culture to have it and report it and saying yes, this has happened in these regions. That's not mass hysteria. So, you know could that that, that brings the question a lot of different things. So, was that? So, could it be a mass hallucination? <laughs> it would be very. That would be considered a very massive hallucination, considering it crossed continents. And existed in the same continents at the same time. So, you know, I mean, that's not coincidence that stuff like this happens, at least not in my professional opinion, so to speak. But could you imagine a wolf that could stand on all fours and its head be even with yours? That's that I've I've seen a lot of stuff in the woods and I've never seen anything like that. Now, have I been in the woods at times and felt something watching me? Yeah. I think we've all felt that when we've gone on. So just to say, folks, there are things out there that just modern science is yet to find and try to explain. Uh, one of the final attacks was done to uh, was actually stopped by Jean Chastel and he shot this creature on Mount Moucher. Today it's called La Sonde d'Avare and when he shot it and he recited his prayers. The story about the large caliber bullets that he made with Virgin Mary medals. Supposedly it was what brought it down. Some people say, no, this was just. The French writer Henri Pourat just making stuff up. Some people say, no, that really is what he made the bullets out of to kill this thing. So. Now, granted, during that time in France, attacks by wolves were a very serious problem. And not only in France, but all over Europe. Wolves were everywhere. People were starting to build where animals hunt at. So when a lot of people start dying, hysteria starts in. There was a report called the Marin Report, and this report describes a creature as a wolf of unusually large proportions. That's all it says. It doesn't give the exact size. But extraordinary and very different by its figure and its proportion of the wolves that we see in this country. This is what we have, certified by more than 300 people from all around who came to see him. So, other people tried to discredit these people. saying, oh no, it must have been some other kind of animal, like a lion or something. I'm sorry, but a lion does not have an elongated snout like a wolf. So but people try to justify in their minds to try to explain different things so that they can reason it out in their minds and not have to actually admit into something. But that is the lore of werewolves, as far as France is concerned.
0: Well, from everything that I've heard, that's actually where the uh, the werewolf myth, well, lore uh, originated. And then some, and then something else entirely that everybody in the crypt, in the uh, crypto world likes to call Dogman actually started between here and South America. And, you know, according to what little bit of lore that we have behind that, Dogman actually started out as a, what the Navajo calls a a dark witch that could summon skinwalkers. And then something happened in, in between that to where a skinwalker actually took you know on the took on the appearance of the the, the uh, dark witch and everything gets everything gets mashed up and lore is lost and then more lore comes into play in Canada well in northern Canada of a uh, tribe of native nations or first nations people, I'm sorry, of first nations people in Canada that had a, you know, a myth legend lore story that some of their um, medicine men or uh, shamans could actually turn into these things. And then one turned into one and got stuck that way. And then, a nut, you know, and then a female uh, shaman turned into a, you know, a dog man and got stuck that way, and then they procreated, and the rest is history. And then there's stories from South America to where it's totally different, that it's a conjured being, but yep. nobody really knows what the truth is behind Dog Man.
1: But we well, have lore to support and back up werewolf. Yeah, I know one of the things that they try to attribute that lore to is a hypertrichosis, which is basically called werewolf syndrome, and it's a very rare condition. And there's fewer than 100 cases documented worldwide. Um, There's a pair of twins that were like in acrobatic shows and um, what you might call freak shows and such that they do have fur all over their face that they do have to trim every now and then and fur like all over their bodies which attributed to some to some of these stories but the legend and lore across all cultures about shapeshifters to have as many stories as we have it's hard to discount and just throw it out there that hey this doesn't really exist truth is we don't know right we don't know enough about what we call the supernatural to even guess at that you know some people want to say that it's beings that are in league with the devil like what you were saying like with witches and warlocks and stuff or that this was conjured by somebody or no i mean People will come up with all kinds of different explanations for the truth is we just don't know. And that's hard for some people to accept the fact that, hey, we don't know. That's the one thing that always amazed me. When I was younger, I used to ask my uncles, my dad, all the older people around me about stuff. And sometimes they would just tell me, I don't know. And I never understood that. i look at them and go, well, you're supposed to know. And now I've got people come and ask me questions sometimes and I have to tell them. I don't know, and now I understand the why. Just because you're older doesn't mean you have all the answers. So, but that, that's the one thing about that amazes me about history is the stories that different cultures actually have that are in their oral tradition of history telling within their various Ancestries that have been passed down. And those stories are what make up a lot of what historians record within the books about these various cultures. So, and, and what I just related as far as what was going on in France at the time, that actually comes from different diaries and primary sources. That's not me just pulling it out of thin air. So... I actually covered some of that stuff on my class when we covered the different time periods. So like I said, I use primary sources. I don't use textbooks. (laughs) So. Textbooks? What's a textbook? Oh, textbooks are so biased, it's not even funny. Yeah, Columbus was a good guy. No. (laughs) That's a whole other topic. (laughs) So, but that—that's all I have for right now, as far as that part of it. So, all right. Well, folks, I hope you and
0: en- uh, you enjoyed the uh, lore behind werewolves. Join us next time, as we look into the into the abyss and see if the abyss stares back. Good night. Oh, <laughs> it will. It will. Find us on the web at www.investigation-cryptoparaology. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash investigation crypto. Listen to us on any major podcast players including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and of course Spotify. We continue to spread to more podcast players each day. You may contact us by using the contact page on the website or by sending a direct message to our Facebook page or by emailing us directly at InvestigationCryptopairology at gmail.com. That is c r y p-t-o-p-a-r-a-o-l-o-g-y at gmail.com Also, I would like to add this. If you're feeling down on yourself or like you don't matter or there's no hope left, we're here for you. You can contact us through our Facebook page or by emailing us at investigationcryptopairology at gmail.com We are happy to listen and possibly help you find a better tomorrow. If you don't want to talk to us, you can contact the Suicide Hotline of the United States. They have a crisis text line if you verbally speaking to someone is not your thing. Text HOME, all capital letters, H-O-M-E, to if you don't, If you do want to verbally speak to someone, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you are a veteran, you can also call 1-800-273-8255 and then press 1. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. I sincerely hope you will join us again next time for another spine-tingling, hair-raising experience from the depths of the abyss. If you would like to contact me about an experience you have had or to get on the show, email me at investigationcryptopairology at gmail.com. That's investigation, c r y p t o p a r a o l o g y at gmail.com.